411 Live. Well, you can learn about issues that affect us every day. Stay the world. 411 Live. Real people, real talk. Made to help people in our community in every way. For your girl. 411 Live. Welcome to another episode of the 411 Live. Real people, real talk. I am Beverly Taylor. We are doing these podcasts. Uh, We've done over 20 so far. And, you know, we're counting. We're moving right along. And we're focused on human trafficking, specifically sex trafficking and the trauma that it causes. Um, We have covered a multitude of topics dealing with this issue. Last week, we were talking about trauma, its effects on the brain, the body, and human behavior. Excellent episode. If you didn't see it, I invite you to check it out. Well, today, part two. There are a lot of things that we did not get to that we want to, and we want to expand upon that. So part two is three phases of trauma recovery. My guest, I'm still excited about her because uh, she's so knowledgeable and she breaks it down in a way that we can all understand, which is phenomenal. And that is Simone Kilgore. She is a trauma therapist and you will definitely be impressed by what she has to say, I think. I also want to invite you, if you have comments, suggestions on future episodes, send them our way because we are very interested in that. And our, because our goal is to spread awareness, make it broad, and you're part of that process. So we're going to get right into this because, like I said, part one, we ran out of time, so we need a part two. And we're going to wrap this part two up. So we want to get it all in. So Simone, thank you for um, agreeing to do a part two with me. Let's just, so everybody is kind of caught up Let's just go back briefly on the neurobiology of trauma. Sure. Just break that down a little bit. Sure. Um, just talking about the wiring, how humans are wired. We are phenomenal beings. And the, the other thing I think I might have missed in the first uh, session we had together um, is the specifically outlining how we are designed for survival. Mm. All of us. Mm-hmm. We all are. So thinking about fight, flight, and freeze, right. responses to traumatic events. We either fight, I mean physically fight, to get out of them. Flight is running, moving away from. Right. Right. And freezing is just being frozen in that, in that moment as something traumatic is happening. What's happening in the brain is not frozen, but the body freezes. Yeah. And all three responses are designed to keep us alive. One is not better or worse than the other. Anybody can react differently, and it could be the same traumatic event. I might fight, you might freeze, or you might run. Yeah. I don't know. You might fight. I don't know. There's no way, you know, we like to say, if I was in that position, I would do. And you just don't know. You just don't know what you would do in that moment. Mm-hmm. But just understanding how phenomenal the body is, the neurobiology of the body, how we're designed to survive. That's what really what I want people to to understand. And that's why no matter what people look like to us or their behaviors are, they are that way 
because they are surviving. Mm -hmm. And so in that, we have to have some empathy and some understanding for people's behavior based on what they've been through. Right. I don't get to judge that. Yeah. Yeah. Or say, if I were you, I would do it this way and it would look this way. Some people cope through that um, constant barrage of uh, release of um, emotions and toxins and, and, and chemical things moving around the body, whether it's serotonin, dopamine, you, you know, you can go on and on about what is released. But like again, in the hippocampus, it's designed to connect to other parts of the brain. And it symbols and tells the, the other parts, behave in this way. It's all about survival. Respond in this way. Think through it this way. So if my thinking is fragmented, that's what I know. Right. If my thinking is always in chronological order, it's hard to get me to have it in the opposite direction. And sometimes we ask people to start from a place of where you want to be and move backwards. And it's very difficult for folks. So we have to understand the way people are wired. And, and my job as a clinician is to help them understand the circuitry, the wiring, mm -hmm. how my brain tells my body what to do, right? how to respond. If I smell chicken frying, an immediate response goes to my brain. It's a nice memory for me. Um, it, it feels like it's a memory of home right, and right. family for me. I remember what it tastes like in my brain. And so it symbols my body and my tongue to salivate. So the brain and the body is one and connected. And they work hand in hand so that we can survive. Right, mm -hmm. right. And we were talking about how that trauma can recircuit things. Sure. From, you know, this was the normal here. Mm -hmm. The trauma has come, and now we have a new normal. Yeah. Because as you said, survival. Sure. And so my perceptions, you know, it, it's the wiring has changed. Things have changed. My body has changed. My body is reacting differently. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking different. My perspective is different. Mm -hmm. All of those things are happening. Mm -hmm. Okay. So all, we're surviving. Yeah. Now we've come to a place where... This is not working for us anymore. Mm -hmm. It's like I'm acting this way. Mm -hmm. I'm reacting this way. Mm -hmm. I don't like this. Mm -hmm. I want to change. Mm -hmm. Which always makes me so smile. That's the delicious part. Right. I don't want this anymore. I'm like, yes. Yes. <laughs> That's all we need, a starting point. Yeah. You know, unlike me saying, come on, you need to get this together and you need to heal and you need to call and you need to go see. It's different when somebody makes up their mind that they no longer want to be wired that way. Mm -hmm. And then there's a belief in there somewhere hidden. I don't care what percentage of it it is. If it's 1%, it's good for me. That they believe that they can heal. heal. So people say all the time, Simone, how do you consistently work with survivors of sexual assault and domestic violence and human trafficking? And it is only because I believe in healing. I believe there's hope in healing. And if I didn't, I could not do this work. Yeah, because it's not easy. No, no, not at all. Okay, so that person comes in. We talked about the in the last episode, talked about it 
there are baby steps, baby steps, mm -hmm. half steps, mm -hmm. backtracking, mm -hmm. move forward, mm -hmm. backtrack. Mm -hmm. You know, it it takes a while to it to does. go through this process. And you were mentioning, um, you know, different stages. Mm -hmm. So let's 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 get into that. Okay. And what stability is the one first yeah, one? Yeah, stabilization so, and like trauma recovery. Recovery. There's some evidence-based research that helps us as clinicians understand that there is a path mm -hmm. and there is a route um, that we can use for a better understanding of the circuitry, how we're wired, and what steps to take. So instead of me meeting a survivor of human trafficking and say, "Let's start reintegrating." new coping and new ways and interjecting new ways of thinking about yourself. I know I can't really start the process that, at that point. We have to, and I also uh, can't start it out by saying, tell me everything that happened to you mm. so we can process it and move on. But oftentimes that's what the survivor comes in wanting. Oh, I'm ready to just... <laughs> so we've had sessions. I've had sessions where, okay, I don't want to stop the train, you know, and it's happening. But then there's a time when I say, okay, now that you've gotten some of that out, what does that feel like? And some people feel great because at least they shared it uh -huh. with somebody. And that, there's time for that too. Um, but we still got to go back because before we open up all of that and allow it just to be an open wound, See, the other thing I share is that trauma is a wound that nobody can see. Mm. So if I was shot or cut or had an amputated you know, leg or arm, people could visually see, oh, she's been through something. Right. They could verbally say, oh, she's been shot. She's been through something. They can understand the trauma more because we visualize. Mm -hmm. So for sexual assault survivors, uh, oftentimes we can't see the wound, but it's there. And so if we allow folks to start the process of healing in terms of steps at the wrong place, we have opened that wound even more. And there's no dressing. Mm. There's no antibiotic. Nobody put it back together. Ain't no nurses or doctors around. It's right. just open. And so getting people to understand before we get started, we have to create safety. So for me as a clinician, a lot of people think that safety has everything to do with the, the client's living environment, the survivor's living environment. And it does. Um, has a lot to do with getting them to a place of understanding that they are no longer in immediate danger. Right. Like, can an abuser a manipulator, a perpetrator, predator, whatever, you, assailant, whatever you use, if they can no longer harm me. So we say things like, oh, they're locked up, mm -hmm. so they can't harm you. You're safe now. Get on. Mm -mm. Safety and stabilization has something to do with that, but it also has a lot to do with how safely I feel, um, how stable I am. And that's more complicated. It's very complicated and complex. And so asking someone to risk safety and stabilization through self-care, through understanding who they should surround themselves with now, 
to understanding, it's a bit um, uncomfortable because I've been used to a certain way. And now my life almost seems too boring or too low or too, I've heard people say, I don't know what to do. I have all this time. Mm. And so implementing new ways of coping, new ways to heal. And I can name what everybody listening may know from reading to meditation to self-defense classes to picking up an art uh, a tool to learn more about sculpture or painting or praying and meditation to mm-hmm. support groups. There's lots of ways we can uh, cope safely and get involved with knowing more about what we like and what we want and creating new activities mm-hmm. for our life because I'm no longer involved in uh, the unhealthy coping, right? Swapping negative coping for positive coping. If I was a drinker or a drug user, if I engaged in um, intimacy with many, many partners, because that's what I knew to cope. Right. So it's it's an allowance in, in helping people to understand I coped the way that I coped for as long as I did, because that's what I knew. And we say, it helped you get here. So how about we don't always have the negative response mm-hmm. to it or the negative uh, um, connotation to... Let's reframe how, it. Yes, reframing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of what the first step is about. When we say safety and stabilization, it's about reframing. And it's about establishing it. And for those that have never felt safe, again, because we keep talking about returning to some sense of normalcy, and I'm trying to get people to understand that sometimes trauma is the normalcy. Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Lots of survivors of human trafficking prior to the human trafficking were still being harmed and had to deal with traumatic events their whole life. Good point. I was. I heard back in the day, it was a rapper, the Ghetto Boys, he was talking about growing up in an environment that was toxic. Everybody drinking everybody smoking, everybody cussing, everybody fighting. That was normal. I thought to myself, is this normal Mm. for me? What do I want? How do I get out of this? I see other things that look different, but this is all I know. Yeah. I happen to be one of four kids and 20 cousins that want something different. How do I accomplish this without separating myself from those that I love? Mm-hmm. And this is my norm. That is not. Yeah. So taking those steps, going through that process, it can be scary. It's scary. It's daunting. You feel alone. It's taxing. You get tired of it. Oftentimes people give up. Mm-hmm. In the first step, it's just way too much. Oftentimes, I've had uh, survivors come back over and over. I know I haven't seen you in months. Um, Can I come back? Yeah. I thought I was able to do this. I couldn't. But now I'm ready. Yep. Yep. I looked at my daughter, my son, my mom, whoever. And I no longer want to pass this down as a way of being. I want to heal so I can show others how. Whatever the reason is, it does not matter. It's that you continue to keep starting. 
And I also share, it doesn't matter how many times you start and stop. Just start again. Right. Allow Some allowance mm-hmm. in the first steps. The bravery again comes in when you first say, I want to heal. You call, you knock on the door, you journal, you write it down, you start running. So healing looks different when you start it. Some people call a therapist. Some people start a, a fitness routine first. Right, right. Some people join a church first. Yeah. Some people leave relationships first or move to another state first. So first steps look different for everybody. But the integration of therapeutic healing from trauma, mm-hmm. the first step is safety and stabilization. Okay. And creating that for you can take however long. And as we're on the step, we don't leave step one for step two. They marry. You don't drop off one. Right. They come together. Okay. We're going to go to step two. Okay. We're going to take a break. Okay. I hope you're getting a lot from this because I am um, and anxious to get to step two and step three and talk about that. So we're going to take a break, come back, and we'll get right into it. The 411 Live, your link to information. And now here's your food for thought. When he said I could have everything I've ever wanted, I didn't expect it to slip through my fingers in a split second. I started out as a girl living a life of happiness with someone I believed I could trust. Then he twisted what I saw into a world of darkness. He took away my innocence, broke me down until I was no longer a human being, sent me into the streets to find date after date, bed after bed, so I could earn the cold hard cash he couldn't wait to spend. People think I'm a lost cause, someone just looking for a good time, when in reality, I'm being trafficked and they don't know the signs. This is only one example of sex trafficking. Maybe other victims can escape if everyone learns the signs before it's too late. For more information, visit the411live.org. What do you think of when you hear intercourse for money? What do you think of when you hear exploitation of your body? What pops in your mind when you hear young boys and girls being sold for sex? Do you think of sex trafficking? You should. What movie do you see when you think of someone being kidnapped to become a product? Oh, come on now. We all know what we think of. It's that film of that father who had to go all the way overseas to rescue his daughter. But wait, that's not just happening overseas. Try here, the United States of America. Try here, the state of Wisconsin. Try here, the city of Milwaukee. Unknown to many, the Harvard School of Pimps in their holy training ground. Young girls and boys are being solicited at an average age of 13 years old. Didn't know that, did you? Research and learn the signs of sex trafficking because you just might not know when your child's newest lover is their soon-to-be pimp. For more information, visit the411live.org. Welcome back to the 411 Live. We've been talking about the three phases of trauma recovery, and we were into stabilization and safety, step one. We're about to go into step two. My guest, Simone Kilgore, she is a trauma therapist, and she is walking us through the process. Okay. Now we're ready for step two. Mm-hmm. That's a tough one, too. Very tough. Yeah. So I was just thinking about tons of reasons why it's tough, but it's just <laughs> tough. So that's the step of remembrance and mourning um, I mentioned briefly before. And so what we're asking a survivor to do is to remember and to process what happened to them. Mm. remember, Mm -hmm. so remember we talked in the first segment 
about the hippocampus and all of our brains being a place, a filing cabinet, right. where we store information. Normal memories are there. They're organized differently. There's recall. There's dates. If I add to your normal memory and say, yes, Beverly, 1982, on that snowy day in January, da, 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 but this is where I was at. I can add yeah. to your normal memory, no problem. And you'll remember, oh, Simone said in 82, this is what happened to her. Even though you have your own, mm-hmm. I can add, mm-hmm. right? Um, abnormal memories, traumatic memories are also in that hippocampus area, but they're they're disorganized. They're all over the place. They're hidden for our safety, for our, our survival. Right. Phenomenal. Um, but they, they come out and they show up when they get ready. They just pop up. So in step two of remembrance and mourning, we're trying to get there. Talk therapy is a way that we can uncover some. There's other modalities, mm-hmm. EMDR. This is some scientific, you know, okay. psychology stuff, brain spotting, um, some other ways of tapping into those filing cabinets that have been closed for so long right. that they're hidden from you, the person. And so if I'm the therapist asking someone to recall, there's oftentimes I've worked with a survivor for five or six years. And in the fifth year, they say, oh, this happened to me when I was in fifth grade. And I say, oh, okay. Did that just come up for you? No, I've known it. But it, I just didn't think to share it with you when I talked about trauma. That's one way. Mm-hmm. We don't recognize that as a traumatic, traumatic event right? because the other ones look so much bigger and more important. Trauma affects us all. And so no matter how big or small we think it is, it still affects the brain and the body the same way. Wow. So we put levels to, oh, she just had a simple car accident. She should get over it and be able to drive with no problem. Well, to the person, it's a large, a large, huge, massive right. accident. And they may never want to drive again. I don't get to define that for them. So what we're doing in in step two, in terms of remembrance, recall, and mourning, the remembrance is the allowance of the memories to come up in a way that we discuss, 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 and And process. And process, okay. (laughs) What has happened to me and how it has shaped me and also what I need to be doing uh-huh. from here to heal from that. Uh-huh. And so we are asking uh-huh. people to turn those traumatic incidents and traumatic memories after recall into something that's more of a resolution. I was involved in this for so long. I stayed in the abusive marriage for so long. I did this for so long because I watched other loved ones go through the same thing and I thought it was normal. Mm-hmm. That can help with a resolution. The reasoning why. Right. Um, that's all I knew. Or financially I needed to stay. Or the person threatened that they were going to kill me. Well, that makes sense why you stay. Absolutely. And so once you help people get to a resolution of what has happened to them 
in some of the whys, it's almost like a, oh, you can hear it. You can mm. feel people settling into, that's why. Mm. You know, this makes sense now. Or I know why one trafficker had me, passed me on to someone else, and people said, why didn't you run? Well, they told me they were going to kill me, and six times they tried. So I believe them. Right. Oh, resolution. It makes sense. How do you think... Um, you became a victim of human trafficking. Well, on this end, I had parental figures that didn't support me and I was molested or assaulted in my home. Or I had two cousins and a sister or brother that were also in the life. Or my parents put me in the life. Or my parents were not in my life. I was raised by an 85-year-old grandmother that was exhausted and didn't know where I was after school every day. Yeah. The wise. Oh. Mm -hmm. Resolution to the wise. That's the remembrance and the processing. And then there's the morning time for, hmm, if you could have had things the way you wanted it when you were a little girl or a little guy, or if you had a better connection or supportive parents, or... Had you understood the dangers mm -hmm. of dating older people before you were ready? That brings some resolution, but it also helps people to mourn either what they used to have in terms of safety, stabilization, right. some normalcy, or mourn what they never, never had. Mm -hmm. I never had that, which we often hear too. Right. But that step, again, like step one, they come together. So we're still integrating safety, stabilization, safety, stabilization, self-coping, safe coping, self-care, self-care in the heaviest form. Take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. How do you plan to do that today? Because we opened up some new stuff today. You should be proud of that. And now what do we do? How are you going to take care of yourself in the way that you need to based on this new wound? We opened it up wider. Right, right. We understand some parts of it. We put these parts here because they make sense. These things are still, we still don't get them. Are you okay with that? Are you safe to leave now? Do we need to do some grounding and some deep breathing? Uh -huh. Do you need to understand we're in Milwaukee? This is this date. You can leave out of this building and get in your car or on the bus. You don't have to worry about this. So creating that space again in the environment where we just reopen. We need step one. We need right. all the tools from step Gotta one. feel safe. To move through step yep. two. Yep. And each and every time we're, we're working in step two, which can be years. Wow. What's step three? Step three is reconnection and integration, reintegration into things you want, the goals. Where are we going with it? Because now we know. We know what to do. We know what happened. We're trying to understand it. We have some resolution. Some resolution continues to come throughout, throughout time. Right. We add to, to it. We might learn about uh, a fact about our ancestors, our grandmothers, our grandfathers, and say, wow, right. that happened to grandma too. That happened to grandpa too. It connects us to something, mm -hmm. and it ain't just about me. It ain't just happening to me. 
And it's different when it happens to your people, when they too have gone through and survived. And you can connect to that. But you can also connect to their strengths, their fortitude, their ability to continue to push through. And that helps. Ooh-wee. It has for me. Yeah. Yeah. I know where I come from. Mm-hmm. I see the the line, the strength in the DNA. I get it. And I can push forward when I don't feel like it. Sometimes that's all I have. Talking personal now. <laughs> but sometimes that's all I have is, the, is seeing them that have fought before me. Right. Get through something and make it. I always say it's about making it. Step three is about reintegration. I feel well enough in myself, in my soul, in my being to integrate into some things I really want to do in life. Whether it's go back to school, whether it's try a new relationship, whether it's learn a new recipe, right. be a dancer. I always wanted to dance, but I can't hold the beat. Dance anyway. Right. You know, right. it's just about reintegration. It's a, it's a good place for people to be. It feels unfamiliar in the beginning. It's frightening. Mm-hmm. The allowance and the freedom to live. But the possibilities. It's delicious. It's delicious. It's delicious. Yeah. It's delicious. I'm so happy for people at all stages. But really, when you see it and you say, ah, the work is, is, is working. Mm-hmm. The process is working and it's for a reason. And the person can feel some freedom. They look different. They stand differently. They speak differently. One of the things I say when I first meet people is trauma affects the way that you see yourself, the way you see others, Mm -hmm. the way you see the world, and the way you think people see you. And what we're trying to do is uncover all of that. The way you see yourself. It's a huge one. Most important one. Right. The way you think others see you. That's a big one, too. Totally. Can affect how you move. Yeah. If you move. The way you see the world. Because for several people that I've worked with, many, most people um, that are survivors of human trafficking, the world can look really lonely and sad and evil and small. Very different from... from how it is. There's parts of the world, people, beings out here. It's a dark world. Mm -hmm. It's an undercurrent of evil. And so if that's the view of the world and I'm in that, you got to imagine, it makes me sad to talk about it even now. You got to imagine their viewpoint. And so my my thing that I feel when I meet people is how they feel that they fit in the world and what world are they talking about? Mm. Do you know the possibilities? Yeah, for others, but not for Not me. for me, yeah. So once we get to step three, there is um, some newness and some, some it's delicious. It's some, some light, light yeah. in how they see themselves. Yeah and the world and how they want to reintegrate into a world that sometimes is so foreign to them. It's, it's, it's funny because sometimes you see folks that say, um, I'm traveling all over the world now and I'm dating now and I'm trying new foods now and I've lost 50 pounds or I've gained 50 pounds. I mean, cut all my hair off or I grew it all. I don't know. 
it's just these things start popping up and you're like, yeah. 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 It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. It is beautiful to see. And it's possible, which is really what I want to push for all of us. Yeah. No one person is more special than the other. Ever. We can all heal. We all can heal. We all can heal. So we've gone through a lot on the stages. And <clears throat> for someone who is listening or watching and they have been through trauma and they see themselves in this, mm -hmm. in this process, yes, I need this because I want to be at stage three. Mm -hmm. I want that light. Mm -hmm. I want those possibilities. Mm -hmm. What would you say to those to that person? I would say uh, it is definitely within your reach. Like you have the power within to do it and shape it the way you want. And that it doesn't have to look like anybody else's journey ever. So don't even look over there. Uh, but then again, I shared with you before, I explained to people that it is risky. We're asking you to take a risk and try something you've never tried before with the possibilities of things being better. Mm -hmm. It's a scary route, but it works. And I've seen it. So I always say to people, I, I've seen people heal. And every time I say that one sentence, they say, yeah. So it's a possibility I can because I'm telling you, Beverly, from the moment that I meet people, even if they've decided to come into the space to receive some type of counseling, mm -hmm. they still have this understanding of, yeah, but not for me. Yeah. That recording. It's a recording. We call it's, it the script. Yep. Yep. What script is playing? Where did you first hear it? Who told you it? How did it? How did it get designed the way that it is designed? Yes. Where are all these stop signs in it? Where are the green lights? You know, you know, we we get exposed to trauma or events, and we either got green, which is a go, yellow is a precaution. It's what we call um, tolerable stress. Mm -hmm. All of us have that. And the phenomenal thing about tolerable stress being on the yellow is that it helps to build us and our immune system so we become stronger and tougher, wiser. And so we can take a certain amount of tolerable stress. Mm -hmm. But the toxic stress, the red, that survivors of human trafficking are on, toxic stress kills us. Right. Period. Because it goes all through us. It's toxic, toxic stress. We die. It's that alarming. We are in a state of panic, uh, and and the the, the uh, uh, characteristics of PTSD, from depression, sadness, anxiety, hypervigilance, at a constant at all times. You never have the body is never at rest. Mm. Talking about the wiring again. Yes. Yeah. We're always heightened. Our cells are always on. It's a heightened sense of reality. And a way to see things at all times. We never add at a point of rest. That's an exhausting place it's to exhausting, be. Exhausting, but asking someone to come off of that mm -hmm. and trust the process is risky. Mm. We're asking them to take a risk. 
to turn what's been on most of their life off. Slowly and progression. But that is the risk. Right. That's where you get those comments of, man, it's kind of boring, you know? Yeah. Because I'm not like this all the time. Because I'm used to the drama. I'm used to survival. I'm used to being on all the time. Toxic. It's toxic, though. Wow. Simone Kilgore, thank you so much. This has this has really been enlightening for me, um, and a great discussion. Great discussion. Thank you for having. Oh, absolutely. And I hope you enjoyed this as as much as I did. And I hope that you heard something that um, that resonates with you. You've experienced trauma and you need to move past. Um, I hope you will seek out the professional help to get you to that next place. Um, I, I'm so impressed. I'm so impressed. Our podcast is only a, a, it's a small part of what we're doing. We're also doing a docudrama with a survivor. I Dare to Heal. We, we're doing workshops on that. I Dare to Heal. Don't you just like I the way that it. sounds? I love it. Um, we are, we want to help survivors, victims, and we want to expand the dialogue. We want to make people aware because when the community is all aware and we're all working together, yes. you know, we're agencies and different things like that, helping survivors with housing and, you know, it goes the gamut. There is no limit There's to what no we can limit. do and what we can accomplish. So thank you. Um, I see my producer, she put up a thing saying, I dare you to heal. Yeah. I like the way that sounds too. <laughs> I dare you to heal. This is the 411 Live, real people, real talk. I am Beverly Taylor. We are a nonprofit organization. We can always use your help. Go to the 411live.org website and you can find out how. You can also look at past episodes. Go to YouTube, our Twitter account, uh, Facebook, iHeartRadio. We're there. And we are so glad that you are too. Thanks for joining us. Hopefully, you'll join us again.